to the word parenting. It's an activity of bringing up a child. That, well, you know, before I go there, if this is your first time listening to the Move Swiftly podcast, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you. Looking forward to having you back for more. To all my regular listeners, today's topic, this is what we're going to talk about today. Parenting. Parenting 101. All right. Now, I am admitting that I myself am not a parent. However, I have worked and done so many things like mean, my business, whether it's so I was whether it's when I was a player, whether it was when I was a scout, whether it was a, when I was a high school football coach, whether it was when I was a trainer, a physical trainer, whether and now as an educator dealing with parents all day long, my business and my livelihood is based on how someone else parents. All right. So this is going to be one of many, 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 many episodes, many solo episodes on my input, my opinion on how parenting should be done. Now you can agree or disagree. I don't really give a shit, but I'm telling you, this opinion is coming from a very educated place. It's a very educated opinion on the way parenting should be done, the way it should work, specifically what you need to be showing your child. All right. Now, before I go any further, Please pull out your pen, stop your car, do whatever you have to do to remember this, because I've said this, I've said it on this show a hundred times. I'm probably going to say it again, a hundred more and a hundred more. I'm not going to stop saying this. All right. It's not about how you raise your child. It's about how you're raising these children. I'm going to say it again, just in case you missed it. It's not about how you raise your child. All right. I get it. Your, your child is incredibly important to you. However, that child is going to grow up and that child is going to have to deal with people that are not you. Therefore, the way you parent, the way you parent, you have got to understand that it is not about the one child that, that you have. It's about how you're raising these children because it's these children that are going to be your child's peers. And that's going to who that's going to be who dictates your child's future. It's like the old saying, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. So be very involved, be incredibly involved in your child's life. All right. And here, here is, I'm going to give the definition again, just so you guys get a clear understanding. Parenting, the activity, the activity, the activity, the activity of bringing up a child. That does not mean just throw some money at them. That does not just mean provide a house. That does not mean just, just, just sort of compliment them when things are going well. It's an activity. It's something that you do. Every single day, every single moment of your life, from the day, from the moment that that child was born and brought into this world, it's an activity. It's something that you're constantly 
constantly, constantly going after. Now, all right, I'll give you a few examples. Here's what I mean. There's, in all honesty, and in all honesty, there really isn't necessarily a right or a wrong way to parent, all right? There's a, there has to be an understanding of who you are. It's really what I've learned, and this is coming from when I was a child all the way to now I'm 33 years old. What I've learned about parenting, it really is about the environment in which you are, you are in when it comes to your kids. It's really about the environment that you put your kids in and how you respond in those environments. Because one of, the, one of my fondest memories, and this is going back from when I was playing football, youth football at seven years old. And for those of you guys are, who are first-time listeners, I played for the White Oak Warriors, which is a very well-known youth football organization. I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, and the White Oak Warriors built a very solid reputation when it comes to the youth football world, the youth football space, the people that are really into that world, all right? And you don't build up the reputation that the, that the White Oak Warriors have built up without having some incredible dads. Specifically, dads. it's not to say that the moms weren't great, but there were some dads there that I, I, got, I got a chance to see some things that were, man, it, it really has helped me in my adult life. The, the, the transition that I've made from childhood to young adult to grown adult to grown ass man in my 30s, there's some things that I saw from my coaches that specifically, if I'm talking specifically the coaches that were out there coaching their sons, all right, there were some things that I saw that taught me lifetime, like lessons, lessons in terms of how I'm going to parent, the kind of parent I'm going to become if God blesses me with a, with a young with a kid. First example, first example is uh, we had a, a coach. His name was Coach Mike, Mike Smith, Smitty. Yeah, I remember we used to call him Smitty. And there were times, you know, here, here was his thing. You know, he he was he was funny. He, he was funny, but he was serious. You know, there there were things that he would do that made us laugh as young men. But you always knew he can get serious. You always knew he can get serious. I mean, I if I was to start on all the conversations that I had with with Smitty, I, I'd keep you on this show for hours upon hours because he had that that genuine care about it and his, his son was a very integral part of building the white oak warriors to what they are today mike smith my he had his he was the senior mike smith was the junior and i played with mike for about four I believe it was about four years and smitty smitty was a special teams coach you know we kind of dubbed him as a special teams coach and it was it was kind of a, a joking it, it was always said jokingly because as kids it was very hard to find kickers and teach people to long snap and all that kind of stuff. And it, it was funny because it's like an actual coach for special teams. You know, <laughs> they, people always give them shit about shit for it, you know. But anyway, I had happened to be one of the young men who they they made as a long snapper. So because I was a long snapper, and for those of you, I know I'm, I'm talking to some people who don't know anything about football. Here's what special teams is. You need to have a long snapper to snap the ball a little further for a holder to get the ball so they can put it the ball on the tee and then the kicker can kick the field goal <laughs> all right so that requires a, a unique set of skills and just snapping the ball to the quarterback all right this is for all my foot non-football people so I, I just happened to be the long snapper because at the time I was playing center and guard and they just dubbed me as someone that was coachable enough to learn how to long snap so we would get to my mother would have to drop me to practice early 
another one after dropping to practice early. So I would do the long, so I could practice the long snapping with Smitty, with Coach Smitty. And he'd have his son out there to do the kick in and, you know, he'd get a hold. Well, Mike was the holder. And then I believe he brought someone else in to do the kick in. We, I think it was like a former soccer player or a soccer player, whatever it was. Somebody do the kick. We would practice our special teams. And that's just, by the way, that gives you an idea of how serious this, this youth football organization was. Here we are, young kids, and we're practicing special teams before practice. You know, that, that's how serious that's how serious they took that shit. And, you know, when I played in college, you guys keep up with the NFL. You see that the specialists always go out early and practice their stuff. So that that's the kind of stuff that was incorporated when I was just a kid. All right. So anyway, it's myself. It used to be just me, him and his son and one other guy who was a kicker. And the way he would talk to his son, the way Coach Smitty would talk to his son was, just, I mean, hey, I'll give you an example. Like Mike would talk back. Sometimes Smitty, young Smitty would talk back and then Coach Smitty, but why don't you shut the fuck up and get that hold the goddamn ball then, bitch? <laughs> it's funny because I'm actually reliving those moments. <laughs> you know, I didn't have the dad that was, I mean, I had a, a very strict father. However, it wasn't that strict. It wasn't like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's how he would talk to his own son. However, and then I, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because you're playing football now. You're playing football now. You're on the football field. And, you know, all that daddy stuff, all that nice guy shit got to go out the window. This is, a, in many ways, it's a dangerous game. And you got to prep your son for it. In fact, if, if you go back and listen to a, one of the first couple episodes I did, I, I painted that picture. There was a time in which we played a championship game where Smitty had missed weight. And I, I can remember seeing Coach Smitty, you know, grab his son by the chat, grab his son by the shirt and just slam him against the wall. Say, come on, man up, man up. You're going to be all right. You know, that, that's just the kind of parenting that that worked. That worked for him. And, and that's really what I want to get you guys to. There's no right or wrong way to do it. If you were from the outside looking in and you didn't know anything about the game or you didn't know anything about Mike and Smitty and what, what we were trying to build with the White Oak Warriors, you might have been saying, oh, man, that's, that's too hard. He's killing his parent. This, that, or he's killing his son or whatever it is, and that's completely, that was, that's not the truth. So again, I go back to my point. It's an activity, an activity that you have to do every day. In fact, there, there, there was another example. Once we moved, once we moved to Pop Warner and, and we, we started to establish ourselves as a, as a bigger brand, we had another coach. Actually, the first year, the first year we had the late, the late, great John Vassos, all right? We had the late, great John Vassos. And I can remember, this was the year we went undefeated, this is 2002, and we went undefeated, you know, ran the tables, won the championship all the way in Orlando. I mean, one of the most special moments of my life. And I remember at the preseason of that year, preseason that year, we had John Vassos, the late John Vassos, who's no longer with us, you know, rest in peace. But again, one of those people that you can't kill because of the effect and the things that he's let, that he's left behind. All right. So John Vassos' son, his name is Nick Vassos, he was on that same team. And I can remember that there were, me and Nick got really close that year, in fact. And I remember there was a practice at the beginning of the season where Nick, Nick just, you know, he completely, completely botched the play, just completely whiffed on the play. He missed a block, something like that. And he went to give excuses. He goes, Dad, man, Dad, I, I didn't see this. I didn't see the, the, the blitzing linebacker, some shit like that. <laughs> And then Coach Vass is going, shut the fuck, shut the fuck, shut the fuck. And then he he takes his right foot and he kicks him in his shit. He takes him, he says, shut the fuck, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Shut the fuck up, okay? I'm the coach here. <laughs> he loses it. 
And I, I can remember the next play, Nick, you know, he does exactly what he's supposed to do. He goes, he makes the block, he, he does exactly what he's supposed to do. And then Coach Vassos, he looked over at the other coaches and he goes, hey, that kick kind of worked, didn't it? Ah, let's go, baby. Let's go. You know, and that's my point. If you were from the outside looking in, if you knew nothing about sports, if you knew nothing about football, you would say, whoa, that's kind of intense way to parent there. However, it worked for them because it's what? It's an activity. All right. So I'll get all right. So for all my people who are not football, not football people, I'll give you an example that's not football related because it's it's one of my favorite. And of all the examples when it comes to parenting, again, I, I can go on for days and days and days about this subject. But one of my favorite, one of my favorite of all time, of all time, in terms of examples on how to parent and and the best ways to parent and raise a child that's disciplined, raise a child that is respectful, raise a child that's really going to be doing some productive things, or raise a child in which it's just not disrespectful to adults. One of the things that really actually got me on this topic was the fact is the fact that I teach at a school in which the kids disrespect me all the time. And because of the school I teach at, um, it, it's become kind of the, the main part of the job is not to cuss these little girls out. To be honest with you, the, the ones that are starting to develop feelings, you know, they're getting into that third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade range, and they're starting to like boys. This one's cute, this, that, and the third. They, they have this rebellious face. Part of the job, like 90% of my job at this point, is not cussing them out and getting fired. To be, I'm going to be keeping it 100. You know, the day, the day that all my the business takes off and I don't need that job anymore, I, I, I'm trying my best. I might. It might happen. It might happen. Just say, you know what, fuck it. I'm cussing them out. I can't take it. That's what got me on this subject. And that and that actually kind of brings me to my point in terms of the parenting I saw growing up and the way they parent that, that taught me, okay, there are different ways and there's certain things that I need to just accept that I don't accept or, or accept that that's the way someone else parents their child. And you can't, you, you can't step in there and tell someone how to parent. You can just give your opinion, give your thoughts, all right? So my sister, my sister, when my niece was born... My niece was born about, as of this recording, she's going to be 13. So 13 years ago, 13 years ago, I mean, our pride and joy, just be a, a, a wonderful time in our lives. Probably the best time, if not the best time in all of our family's life. You know, the birth of Jada Glory Lacan was just a beautiful, beautiful, blissful place. It was beautiful. All right. And I can remember, I remember when she was very, very young. The father, her father, her father's name is Ronald. Her father's mother had came to visit one time, all right? And she made this statement. She made a statement that has stuck with me to this day, stuck with me to this day. She said, she said, you know what? You have all these people spoiling your little girl. You know, you have all this stuff going on and, and those people are going to leave. Eventually, she's not going to be a little baby anymore. She's not going to have this little cute smile anymore. And they go leave you with this spoiled child because they're spoiling her. They're spoiling her. You know, I was one of those people that was spoiling her, buying her all kinds of shirts and stuff like that. They're spoiling your child. You're going to leave her with a spoiled child. What she did not know, or she might have known it, I don't know. But what I know about my sister is my sister worked at a daycare, much like the one I work at. Or well, not exactly like it, but she's, she's experienced kids, right? She's experienced some rude motherfucking kids. Rude motherfucking kids. I mean, like, like to the point where she's come home from work. Sometimes I remember her coming home from work sometimes when I was growing up and just straight cussing some kids out. He's fucking spoiled. I don't like her. This, I mean, just going in 
All right. So and now that I am kind of doing the job that she did when she was younger, I'm realized a lot of things are starting to make sense to me. All right. So there had a time there had a time in which we Jada must have been about three or four years old, somewhere around there, somewhere where she was starting to talk back, you know, around that three, four or five year old range. And we picked her up from school. And I guess she had a bad day or she was, you know, she wanted to mouth off this, that, and the third. And it was, it was so great. I was so, I was so proud of my sister when, when I saw this because, well, at the time I was a little, I thought she was a little harsh, but I was, I was proud that, you know, she, she really addressed that issue of making, uh, of, of having a spoiled daughter. I'm, I'm really glad she did this. Okay. So we're walking out and we, we, we're having, we take Jada to the park. I believe it was, it was me and my mother and my sister and Jada, and we were doing something. I forgot, but we had to kill time. I, I, I can't remember what was going on, but Jada wanted to talk, you know, she wanted to kind of mouth off to my sister and immediately it was like, bah! what is it? What is it? I mean, just popping her in her mouth. Every time she even thought it, every time she even thought, every time she even thought of saying something disrespectful my mother my sister's hand her right hand would be like ready to slap ready to slap like don't say it go ahead just say it say it say it motherfucker say it <laughs> i fucking love it man i fucking loved it i was like yeah 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 Feed her a little ass Feed her a little and, and because the reason i love it so much is because i deal with the opposite i see now how important it is to as as a youngin you got to you got to knock that shit out. All that talking back and, you know, speaking to adults any fucking kind of way you want. Parents, please, for my sake, for us educators, for someone like me who has this passion and this deep desire to 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 be involved and to help kids and to see their potential and, and has kind of been molded to be like that. Please do us a favor and really raise them right. Keep them from talking back. It's not cool. It's not funny. It's not and I'll close you out with this story. Here, here's a, here, I'll close you out with this story. As a parent, before I even tell the story, I want, I want to make this statement. I want to make this blanket statement, all right? So you guys understand. When you have a child, when you've put a child in this world, it's your obligation. It's your obligation to stop trying to be cool. Stop trying to be your kid's fucking friend. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, you made the decision to have the kid, whether it was accident or not. It's not the child's fault, and it's not your—it's not your place to be fucking cool anymore. Got it? You have to raise the child. Here, here's my point. This is why I get so fired up about this point. All right, when I was—I must have been 15. I was a freshman. I can remember. Yes, I can remember. I was a freshman in high school. There was a. There was a birthday party I went to. The girl was turning 15, I believe. Yeah, it was 15 because it was a, a quince or some shit like that. And it, it, the way, well, the reason I actually attended the event because or attended the party because she went to, I went to public school growing up and then I went to high school. My high school was a private school, Catholic school. So a lot of my friends went to public school and one of them was Hispanic and she gave a quince and I just, she had a quince and I just happened to be invited. I had kind of lost touch with that crew but I was there because well the girl that actually became my high school girlfriend she was going and there was some drama in that 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 again is going to require an episode that doesn't that is going to require an episode in itself anyway 
I was there and I was out of place. That just kind of gives you some insight. I was out of place because it was a quince and I had absolutely no idea what a quince was. I was at a private school at this point. I was around all white people. So I get to this quince. I didn't realize you have to dress up. When I say dress up, I mean, you got to wear, you know, nice, decent shirt, tie, you know, suit, casually dressed, shit like that. So I show up back then, the style, it was jerseys. I was wearing a basketball jersey, hat turned backwards, you know, like a regular, you know, just regular. I, I didn't realize it was like a real formal <laughs> event. And I was sticking out. I was sticking out like a sore thumb. Like it was, it was so embarrassing, but I didn't give a, you know, I didn't give a fuck. But that, it just shows you I was just out of the, I was out of place. <laughs> and I shouldn't even, I probably shouldn't even have been there in the first place. But anyway. The girl, the girl who was turning 15, her dad was at the quince. Her dad was at the quince and he noticed me. Like he was giving me shit the whole, <laughs> he's giving me shit the whole night. He goes, well, hey, what's up basketball player? Huh? What's up basketball player? Everyone, all the other fellas up in here, they dressed up, they nice. They looking nice. They looking decent. I guess he was doing some recruiting for his daughter. I don't know what the fuck. It, I don't know why he was giving me so much shit. But it was, it was, it was kind of funny. But then it turned a little like, all right, motherfucker, shit. I get it. You know, I didn't know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, I think most of my, most of you guys as listeners, you know, you're smart enough to pick up on the vibes. He's just giving me shit the whole night. So they had a time, when, well, not a time. It, it was basically during the night in which he made a statement that has, again, one of those statements that has stuck with me throughout all of these years, the like years, like this is you're talking about two decades ago, this happened two decades ago and it is still stuck with me. All right. So it's all of us as guys, you know, we're sitting outside. We're just kind of enjoying the vibes of the night. You know, just everyone's kind of having a good time kicking it and, you know, drinking, whatever. I, I didn't I didn't start drinking back then, but some of my peers, as crazy as it sounds, some of my peers were freshmen in high school. They started drinking, sipping on some champagne, shit like that. And it was just starting to vibe. Everything was just kind of vibing. All right. So so let me just paint the. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Let me just paint the picture for you, paint the picture for you guys, all right? Here we are, young men, young freshmen in high school. A few of us are sipping on some champagne. I wasn't one of them. I'll be honest with you, I wasn't one of them. However, you know, some of us were, we're clearly underage, and you had this father out there, and he's just talking shit, all right? So he gets into his glory days, all right? He gets into his glory days. He's talking, he sees us all kind of sitting by ourselves or sitting hanging, and he talks about, he's talking about, you know, because this was after he gave me shit about the basketball jersey. He goes, hey, you know, yeah, I used to play basketball back in the day. You know, I was nice with it. I was nice with it. I had a bit of a future. You know, he's given us all his glory days and, and shit like that about what he used to do and all that. And we're just like, all right, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then he kind of pauses. He gives us a pause. And then he goes, you know what? Fuck it. I smoke now. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God, that's exactly what he said to a group of young high school boys. And all of us started laughing naturally, just like it did. You just started laughing. Now, it, it might be funny at the moment, but when you look back on it, that goes back to my point. All right. It's not about you raising your child. It's not what he did. And I don't know if he knew it or not, but these young, most of these young men were drinking in your premises, young men you know, 13 freshmen in high school have their whole lives ahead of us. And we're drinking at your part, you know, under your supervision. And you blurt out some stupid shit about how you smoke now. Like it's some cool shit. Like that's some shit we need to be striving for. Again, trying to be fucking cool. So ask yourself, and here's the takeaway here. Here's the takeaway from the, all of my ranting, now all the stories. Are you ready? 
before you have sex, before you have unprotected sex, before you start planning to have a child, are you ready to stop trying to be cool and start being an adult and start raising everyone? It's not about you and your child. It's about, are you going to raise everyone and give something to young kids everywhere? Or are you going to be like this guy and try to be cool? And, and your daughter's 15 years old, and now you're just trying to be cool and shit like that. Ask yourself that. Be, be very blunt. It's just you. It, even if it's just you listening to me right now, be very blunt. Because it, it's that ripple effect that I always tell you guys about. When you throw these rocks, when you throw a rock in a river, you see a ripple effect. You are that rock in society. You are that rock in this world. All right? You're that rock. You are. And what kind of ripple effect are you going to leave? What kind of ripple effect are you going to leave? Please, I pray of you. I beg of you. I ask of you. I, I challenge you to be like, more like the Vassoses, the Smitties, and especially my sister where, you know, all that mouthing off shit gets cut at an earlier and earlier age. I beg of, I, I'm, I'm pleading with you. I'm, I'm begging you as a man to do that because that's what we need. That's what we need. We don't need parents who need to, or are trying to be cool. We don't need more, any more of that. All right. Like I said, teammates, this is going to be one, one episode of many, many episodes surrounding this particular topic or surround this particular, because it's so very important. All right. Fellow teammates continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. Something for my God, Sandy Lies, and a little girl named Corinne. Some say the black of the belly, the sweet of the juice. I say the dark of the flesh and the deep of the roots. I give a holler to my sisters on welfare. Tupac kids, if don't nobody else care. And uh, I know they like to beat you down a lot. And when you come around the block, brothers clown a lot. Don't cry, dry your eyes, never let up Forgive, but don't forget, girl, keep your head And when he tells you you ain't nothing, don't believe him And if you can't learn to love you, you should leave him Cause sister, you don't need And I ain't trying to gash up, I just call him how I see You know what makes me unhappy? When brothers make babies And leave a young mother to be a cat And since we all came from a woman Got our name from a woman and our game from a woman I wonder why we take from our women Why we rape our women Do we hate our women? I think it's time to kill for our women Time to heal our women Be real to our women And if we don't, we'll have a race of babies That will hate the ladies that make the babies And since a man can't make one He has no right to tell a woman when and where to create one So will the real men get up? I know you're fed up, ladies But keep your head up Like black was the thing to be And suddenly the ghetto didn't seem so tough 
Cause it's a setup, but even though you're fed up Kids are driving bins, I'm still trying to hold 